Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the work of your hand. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. You may be seated. Again, welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. Uh, this morning, hopefully you did receive a bulletin when you walked in, uh, any of the entrances here. Uh, you'll find a lot of information from the order of service, but also uh, things going on with different ministries from the Get Acquainted Luncheon, which is uh, right after church, I think Daniel will probably mention uh, a little later, uh, as well as the new members class that's starting soon. Uh, information about Vacation Bible School uh, with with the children's ministry, I think Sherry's probably looking for volunteers. So there's all kinds of different things uh, going on here at Broadway, ways you can get plugged in uh, and serve. So uh, take a look at those things. And also, if you're a guest, uh, we are so glad that you've come to visit, visit us this morning. And you could just uh, let us know you're here by filling out this tear-off tab in the bulletin and drop it in the offering plate as it comes by. We are so glad uh, you've come to worship this morning. And uh, now, if we could stand up and please, we'll greet one another this time.
Join me as we go to our Savior in prayer. Holy Father, what a joy and privilege it is to gather in this place today that has been dedicated and set apart for your worship, worship of the true and the living God, the Holy One, the one that spake and our world came into existence, creator, sustainer. Father, we come to worship and to praise you today. We pray that our worship will come from pure hearts and clean hands, and Lord, that we might glorify and praise your name. We thank you for the ministry of Broadway, the faithfulness of so many of the people who worship and serve here. We pray, Father, for those this morning that may be here for the first time. They're seeking out a church home. And I pray, Father, that our love may be demonstrated in such a way for you that they will feel this is the place where you would have them to serve. I pray for our pastor as he proclaims your word today. May he be anointed of your spirit, Lord. Help us to open our ears and heart to hear what is proclaimed today. Thank you, our Father, for the victories that you're giving and the glorious hope that you're going to come again. And it could be even today. Help us to be ready. If there's one here today that is not prepared to meet you, may this be the day they surrender to Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.
bow our hearts before the Heavenly Father this morning. Father, we are indeed grateful for the opportunity to come and to worship you. Father, we thank you for that awesome privilege that we do not take lightly. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds that we may hear from you. And I pray that you would speak to us in a clear and definitive way. Father, we recognize that all good things are from you. And Father, apart from you, we are nothing. As we give back, I pray that you would bless this gift. I pray, the Lord, that you would use this, these gifts, to honor you, to glorify you, and to use these gifts to reach a lost and dying world. Father, we love you today. We thank you for who you are. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, Glenn. Thank you so much. That was outstanding. Thank you for on your clarinet. If you have your Bibles open, your Bibles to the book of Psalms, Psalm 84. I want to make an announcement. Normally I do announcements at the end, but I want to share today because if we have guests, well, I want you to be thinking about it during the sermon. But um, today, twice a year, we always schedule it when Keeneland meets. Always at the uh, April and October, we do the Get Acquainted Luncheon. So what this is, if you're, if even if it's your first time here this morning, you are invited when the service is over. At 12 o'clock, you'd go downstairs, it's directly below us. You could go down these stairs here, or the elevator right here. And we meet in the fellowship hall, and we have a lunch for uh, new folks. If you've been here maybe since October or so, if you've never been to our Get Acquainted Luncheon, this is for you. If it's your first time here, it's for you. So I want to invite everybody here, if, um, if you're somewhat new or you want to learn more about Broadway, this is for you. I promise it will be over at 1 o'clock. At 101, if I'm still talking, I want you to stand up and walk out because I've gone too long. So it, it ends at 1. We don't keep you here that long. It's a great time to meet others and certainly connect for that. So that, uh, that's, uh, that's today, right afterwards. I want to <coughs> congratulate Mr. David Dell. His birthday was on Friday. He turned 70 years old. You know, when you turn 70, that's when you're required to get Social Security. So at 62, you can opt in for it, but you have, I think it's 70 and a half you have to get. So David's 68, so his birthday, was well, he's two years away from that Social Security requirement, but that is. So Sherry turns 43 Thursday, so it's a big birthday week with that. So it's a certainly exciting time <coughs> with a great, th- open your Bible, Psalm chapter 84, Psalm 84. This here is a message about the Valley of Baca. It's probably something we don't know a lot about, and I'm going to share the background of what the psalmist here is talking about, but it's a, a, it's a valley outside of Jerusalem. And the folks, as they made their pilgrimage, they would have to walk through this valley in order to get to Jerusalem. Jerusalem's up on a mountain, so you have to go through the valley to get there. We're going to read three verses here, then I'm going to share with you a little bit about, about the valley. Verse 5. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a source of spring water. Even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Each appears before God in Zion. Zion is Jerusalem. <clears throat> What's going on here? Baca is the only place in the scriptures this a valley is mentioned here. We have to answer the question, what is Baca? We hear this word here, and what's going on here when they, when they go? Baca is, is a valley right outside Jerusalem. Its name, you can look in your footnotes, its name also means the Valley of Tears. This is a place that people would go and weep. And we're going to talk about this morning, about what happens when you are in a valley. Because these people were on a pilgrimage. In the Bible, there were three pilgrimage. Israelites were required to go to Jerusalem. Passover, Pentecost, that's why everybody was there, and Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down, and then the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths, and that's in the fall. And that's to remember how the people lived in a tabernacle while they were wandering around, uh, a, a portable home while they were wandering around in the desert there with Moses. So what happens here is these Israelites, they would have to go back to their place of worship. And as they would go through this valley, it's a place of weeping, a place of tears. The Israelites, it said here, they would pass through the valley. And what that meant is their hearts, even though they were in a valley, even though they were having to go down and then up again before they went to Jerusalem, they knew they were only there temporarily. And what happened is there will be seasons, and I think what the Lord's trying to tell us through this passage and through this scripture here is there are seasons in our life where there is no fruit but tears. And these Israelites, they would have to go through a valley. And it reminds them that when they go through that valley of tears, that they would cry out, and all of a sudden, the person would take something of valley and dig a hole and make it a great well. Now many of you are saying, 
Daniel, what are you talking about? Every one of us is going to go through a valley of Baca. A valley of Baca is a period of discouragement. It's a season of disappointment. It's a season when your kids are in jail, they're on drugs, your grandkids are out of church, you lost your job, you lost your wife, your husband. You're in Baca. You're at a season in your life that really there's more tears than there are fruit. You're in a valley. And you look up and you know Jerusalem's there. You're headed to Zion. You're on the pilgrimage. You're, you're, you're doing what the Lord wants you to do. And that's the thing. God wanted them. They were, they were set out for where they need to be. But they were the folks making this pilgrimage, they were in a valley. We are promised as believers that we will not be in a dry valley forever. We won't. Some of you this morning, you are in a dry, barren, dead valley. You don't feel close to the Lord. You don't really even want to be here today. You maybe came here for as a free meal afterwards, but you're here. We take hope, church, because it says here in verse 6, you don't stay in camp in the Valley of Baca. You pass through. Listen, at some point in our life, we are all either about to enter Baca, we're in Baca, or we're coming out of Baca. There will be times that you do not feel close to God and you're going through the motions. If that's you, you are, according to the scripture here, you are in Baca. And what we want to see this morning is if this is you, if you are in a season of a valley of discouragement, you've got a bad appointment with the doctor, gave you bad news, and you know it's coming around the corner. The Bible tells us when we're in that valley, we should be digging a well and fill it up with our tears and make it a blessing to others. Say, Pastor, how do you do that? How can I take a valley experience and make it a blessing to others? You do it because God leads us through valleys. Because when you go through a valley, the Lord strengthens you. Many times it's His will for you to be in that valley. He sent you through Baca. You're on the pilgrimage. And you can learn and grow while in the valley. So later on, when you get out of the valley and you meet folks, Many times God might have you in the valley, not for your blessing, but for someone else's blessing. You know, I tell you, if you're, if you're divorced today, do you know you can minister to someone who's going through a divorce? If you lost a family member recently, you can speak truth into other people's life who's lost a close one. Because you can genuinely say, I know how it feels. I know what you're going through. Brother, I've been there. If you used to have a porn addiction, and the Lord sets you free, men, of that, and you know of a man who's struggling with it, you can say, brother, let me help you. Uh, let me tell you how the Lord got me through this. When you've gone through Baca, you can help others who are in the valley. That's what it means to dig a well and to let the autumn rains just overflow. Because you can minister to other folks. You can be a blessing to other people that you would not have been able to if you hadn't experienced that. That is what he's talking about. Wherever you at, you dig a well and make it a blessing to others. <clears throat> you know that we are promised trouble. By, uh, Job says in Job 41, it says, A man is born of a woman, and then he will have trouble. If anybody in the Bible knows about trouble, it's Job. That man understood. Every single one of us. We have goals to have a perfect life and everything go great. But truth is, we're in a sinful fallen world and it doesn't go great. We experience trouble. We have setback. In every pew this morning, there's someone who sits with a broken heart. You're hurt. You're in Baca. You're in a valley in your life. What we have to choose. We are promised in the scriptures that we're going to have trouble. We have control of one thing when you're in Baca. And that's your attitude. 
Notice these pilgrims. They're going to Jerusalem. They kept their sight on the Lord. They're passing through. They're realizing, this is not my home. I'm just going through this season right now. You know, you might be in a valley now, but you won't be in the valley forever. You have to remind yourself of that. It says, Lord, I know I'm down now. I know I'm hurt, and it's difficult days today. And I have a broken heart, but tomorrow, next month, next week, it won't be that way. You, you have to also go through the valley before you experience victory. You have to have losses. You have to experience the grace of God to be able to carry you through so you can dig a deep well and say, I was in a valley and I turned to the Lord. Unfortunately, a lot of times, Broadway, when we're in a valley, we do the opposite. We get a negative, sour attitude. We blame everyone, and that's easy to do. It's always someone else's fault. And we say, God, why am I here? What is going on? The Lord leads us through a valley because trouble, when you're in a valley, you're in trouble. It's hard. Difficult days. They always arrive with opportunity. You can dig a well, and you can drink out of the lesson you've learned while you're in that valley. And you can come out of that valley stronger than when you went in. That's what Bach is. We are promised trouble. As much as you want to plan your life, bad things are going to happen. Let's, for example, even after you pass away, you could still have trouble. I save up. I'm a thrifty person. I save for my retirement. I do save well. I buy life insurance. And then I'm in 15 years, when I'm 54, I'll have a heart attack and I'll die just like that. And then I'll go be with Jesus. I'll be in heaven with the Lord. But I saved up well, and I was faithful with my investing, and I, inv- I had a great life insurance policy for Sherry and the kids. But then Sherry comes along. I'm now gone, so I can't tell her what to do. So all of a sudden, I'm with the Lord Jesus, and Sherry goes out and marries a carnal man. This is what trouble does. And this new man shows up in my house, and he spends all my money that I saved. He even sleeps on my side of the bed. And I'm in heaven with Jesus looking at this, saying, my goodness, I can't do anything. This is what trouble is. He goes along, he smokes my tobacco, he drives my truck, and then after that, he then goes and shoots my gun. And there's nothing I can do. That is trouble. When you're in Baca, you have to literally say, Lord, I'm passing through. I'm promised trouble. This is all I can do. Lord, I'm yours. I'm going to dig a well where I'm at. Some of you this morning, you're in a valley, and Christ is speaking to you, say, you need to dig a well. You need to go deep and find your hope in the Lord so you can, when other people, when you meet other folks, you can minister to them. sorrows, difficult days are usually designed, God allows us to go through that for someone else's blessing. God could have you and likely has you in a valley so you can help others. You're in trouble, you dig a well, and you drink out of it. I'm a Billy Graham fan. I get his little magazine here, Decision Magazine. Came in the mail this week. And... As many of you know, about a month ago, uh, Reverend Graham passed away, went to be with the Lord in heaven. And I was reading his magazine here, and it talks about his early days. And I want to tell you what, this is a picture. His family in his early days went through Baca. Billy Graham was born in 1918, and he grew up on a farm outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And his dad was a farmer. I think they had cows. So he worked the dairy farm. Well, in early 1930s, the Great Depression hit. And in 1933, his dad was named Frank Graham. Frank Graham had $4,000 of life savings at the bank. In 1933, the bank went out of business. It closed. Frank Graham and his family, including Billy, Billy was 14 years old at the time. They had zero. Zero. No life savings. Everything's drying up. We're in the middle of the Great Depression in 1933. Difficult days. That's the Valley of Baca his dad was in. Could you imagine 
having a 14-year-old son, and you're a father, and you have literally nothing. You lost. And $4,000 in 1933, that's a lot of money. And it's gone, zero. There was no safety net. You didn't get Social Security when you were 70. They had nothing. His father, Frank, because he was, they are a church-going family, but when you're in a valley, you usually take it up a level. So he went and joined a men's Bible study. Had a bunch of men, other guys who were struggling, and they started meeting once a week. And they had a group of guys just started studying Scripture together. And God started laying this, this is in 1934 now, laying on their heart that they need to have an area-wide crusade there in Charlotte. The lostness was all around. People were hurting and broken, and they needed Jesus. So this group of men that Frank was in, he started praying for a revival in their city. We didn't get a bunch of churches to come together and just reach Charlotte with the Lord. And they invited this man named Evangelist named Mordecai Ham to come in. And Frank helped plan this. This is Billy Graham's dad. Well, Billy wasn't planning on attending at all. He was 15 years old at this time. Well, he came, and he sat on the back row of that crusade in Charlotte with Mordecai Ham. And he walked the aisle and gave his life to Jesus. Now, I want you to see how, and then God raised up this 15-year-old boy, farm boy, to be the greatest evangelist in the history of Christianity. Look at what happened here. Billy Graham's dad, Frank, had $4,000 of life savings. He had a family farm, a, a cow business there outside of Charlotte. Great Depression hits. The bank goes out of business. They lose everything. Then dad says, a lot of folks, when they're in a valley, they turn to the Lord or they turn away from the Lord. His dad turned to the Lord, joined a Bible study group. They start praying for a great revival. They say, we want to see something great happen, Lord, here in Charlotte. They invite this guy named Mordecai Ham to come preach a revival. Frank's son, Billy, gets saved at that revival. And the rest is history. And folks getting saved. Do you see how the Lord worked in that? Do you see the circumstances, how the Great Depression ultimately was used, God used a deep valley of Baca to lead a little boy named Billy Graham to the Lord. That is a Baca experience. And if, that, if you're there this morning, Christ is speaking to you saying, you need to dig, dig, deep, dig a deep well. Men, first of all, when is the last time you've been in a men's Bible study? Secondly, men, when's the last time you were praying for a revival or a crusade here in Lexington? Is anyone praying for a great move of God here in our city? God spoke to these men, Billy Graham's dad, and broke their hearts, and we need to do something. God's speaking to you. You're in Baca. We're, at a, we're in the most secular country lostness everywhere jesus wants people saved our greatest power we have is to cry out to god and let our tears fill the valley saying lord bring a revival to our city and our country we need it fill our churches let the invitation overflow with people giving their hearts to Jesus. Lord, take my valley and make it a great river so that if people on their pilgrimage, they see these people have been weeping for me. They've been crying out to the Lord. <clears throat> God used what happened here with Billy Graham's father to lead many other people to Christ. His dad turned to the Lord during Baca. Christ is speaking to you. If you're in a valley today, if you're in a season of discouragement, it's a dangerous time. Because a couple things could happen. You could very easily turn away from the Lord and say, God, I've had enough of this. This is tough times. Or you could turn to the Lord and make it a season. Lord, my eyes are still on Zion. I'm focused on this pilgrimage 
I'm going into the, through a valley right now. <clears throat> you know, Jesus Christ told us in Mark 8.36, he says, he told us that we actually are not ready to live until we're ready to die. And what he meant by that, he says, For what shall it profit a man if he get, shall gain the whole world, yet lose his own soul? Do you know what happens? The devil, while people are in a valley, they lose focus of Zion. It's said here in verse 7, they kept their eyes, they were focused where they were going. They were marching to Zion, even though they were in the valley. And we can live our lives saying, Lord, I just want to, I want to be successful. I want to gain stuff. I want great health. I want wonderful things for my family. But you have lost. You can, Jesus says you can gain the entire world. Everything is possible. Yet if, you, if your soul, what lives forever, if it is not saved and has been washed by the blood of Jesus, you are going to hell, the Bible says. What does it profit a man? There's no profit at all. No purpose whatsoever to live your life that way. Your soul is more important than your circumstances. This week I got a phone call. It was a sweet lady in our church. She had received news from her doctor that there's nothing more they can do. So this past week, um, this is a true story, 11 o'clock, her brother showed up to meet with her. Brother Herd came at 1 and I came at 2. I mean, we had, she had everybody back to back that day. So I went by her house and I spoke to her, prayed with her, shared scripture with her. And she asked me, Dan, why? She's not that old. Why? You're dying of cancer. Do you know that's going to be every one of us here? That will be us one day. That sweet lady is in Baca right now. She realizes soon she's going to meet the Lord. She's going to be there in heaven with him. You know, someone who's also been given a diagnosis that there's nothing more he can do could minister to her. Someone who's walked through that valley and who's experiencing the same setbacks could speak truth into her life. I share this because I want you to remember whatever, whatever valley you're in, whatever your baka is today, the Lord is telling you, you need to dig a deep well. And let the tears overflow it so it's a blessing to other people. Jesus Christ wants you and I to bless other people through our circumstances we've gone through. This is what the scripture is telling us. In verse 7, if you look at it, it says here, you go from strength to strength. That means even in a valley, you should still be growing closer to the Lord. There is no excuse for you to throw in the towel and say, I'm done. I can't do it. It means there should be growing closer to God. Now listen, in the valley, you might not have a lot of fruit, but you can still have an intimate, close relationship with the Lord. You might not always see a lot of fruit in your life in the valley, but you can still know the Lord while you're in the valley. God is still there. His presence is amidst us. Psalm 23 is about a valley. Walk through the shadow of death. The great thing about shadows is they don't stay there forever. They move. And there might be a shadow over you this morning. Shadow of death is coming. And Jesus Christ is speaking. He's saying, you're in a valley. Now what are you going to do? Is there anything more in your life that you find profit in than your soul in Jesus Christ? All right, I want to look at one more slide up here. We're going to answer the question, what do you do if you're in a valley? So here's our takeaway steps that we can walk away with. This is number one, I think, is the most important. If you're in a valley this morning, or you're in a season of discouragement, and you're in Baca, this is what occurs, usually. Things didn't go your way, and you're, you're there. Do not make major decisions during seasons of discouragement. That is a dangerous thing to do. If you're in a season of discouragement, if you're in a season that you really don't want to be in this place in your life, it's easy to make a knee-jerk decision. Saying, I'm going to, Lord, I'm going to drop out church. I'm going to uh, quit doing this. I'm, I'm going to, uh, 
in this relationship, it's tempting to do this. But in seasons of discouragement, you have to examine your attitude and say, Lord, during, while I'm in this valley, have I become bitter? Have I become sour? Have, has this affected the season I'm in? Has it affected how I make decisions? The best thing to do when you're in a valley is just focus on the Lord. Dig a deep hole and fill it with tears and make it a blessing to others. Because when you're in a season of discouragement and you're down, usually decisions are bad decisions. Because it's a knee-jerk reaction. We naturally do that. The devil wants us discouraged down and out. If you're not going to be on fire for the Lord and dig deep wells and make it a blessing for other people, he'll just keep you in the valley and discouraged all the time. Because he knows you'll make bad decisions. So the first thing you need to do, if you're in a valley, if you're in Baca, there's no major decisions. But Lord, I'm just going to focus on you. I'm going to be a grinder. I'm going to just do what I know what I need to be doing. I'm going to be in your word. I'm going to be in your place of worship. I'm going to be serving. Lord, I'm just going to grind it out. I'm just going to keep passing through the valley. Number two, remember God has you in a valley for a purpose. Don't waste your valley. Whatever season you're in, don't waste it. God brought you through tough times for a greater good. There's a, there behind the scenes, the Lord is teaching you something. We can always learn. The moment you stop learning is when you stop growing. Lord, what are you teaching me so that I can be a blessing and help others? It helps you know how to pray for other people. It helps you know how to identify with other folks who are going through that. Don't waste it. Don't waste your valley. If you're, if you're in a season of rebellion, you repent of that and say, I know I went through that season of rebellion and sin, and I never want to go back because I don't want to be there. I know what it has to offer. I know what the Lexington culture, how it sucks you in, and it sucks you away from the Lord. He says, God, I don't want that. I've been there. Don't waste your valley. You remember. <clears throat> I, uh, I'll never forget. Uh, we came to Georgia about in 2005. And I've been there a couple months. And a, a kind lady who's now with the Lord, she wrote a note, not an email, like the old Tommy handwritten notes. She wrote me a note. And um, you know, she, she mailed it to me there at the church. And it was such an encouragement. I had only been there a few months. I was 26 years old. Just young. Daniel had just been born. And we were just, just busy. Just learning how to be parents. Learning how to be a pastor. Just in a brand new season. And I was, I'm sure I was just struggling along. And she saw that. I was just pitiful. So she wrote me this encouraging note. And I saved it. I mean, it wasn't just encouraging. It was over-the-top encouraging letter. And it's one of those that you read and go, is she talking about me? Like, <clears throat> and I saved it. I actually still have it. And I tucked it away at the bottom of a drawer so that when some discouraging news or a disappointing event happens or someone would say something that was hurtful, and it happens to all of us, I could pull that letter, that handwritten letter out, and I could read it. And all of a sudden, it reminded me. It says, Lord, I thank you for this lady. These are the most encouraging words. And I remember years later, even after she had gone to be with the Lord, I would pull out that letter and I would read it. Don't waste your valley. If God has you in a deep valley, and I also have written encouraging letters because what she did to me and what it meant a blessing to me when someone else was struggling, you write them a kind note and they save it. And literally, they cry over it because they're so thankful to receive that. I knew how much that letter meant to me, so therefore, I've actually written them to other folks. I learned from my valley. 
You don't want to waste it. God has you going through something in life for a greater purpose. Number three, remember your valley is a temporary place. You do not camp out in Baca. Baca is not your home. You're, we're all going to go through a valley. Every single one of us. Even after you die and you have that heart attack, your spouse remarries, you'll still have trouble in your life. Even when you're in heaven. It'd be going on. We, stuff you earned. Nothing you can do about it. It's a place of temporary. God is saying, you, this is not your permanent home. You're not here to stay. And number four, this is important. God, and this is based on verse 11 here. We haven't read it. <clears throat> but the Lord, He shields us while we're in the valley. If you look at Psalm 84, 11, look what it says here. Skip down a couple of verses. For the Lord, He is a sun and a shield. You know, we always focus on the, the sun part of the Lord. where He shines down bright. He fills everyone up. He makes everyone happy. But the Lord is also a shield. The Lord, listen to this. The Lord could have you in Baca for the very purpose of shielding you from something else. You just don't realize it. The Lord shields His people. That means He's protecting you, or He's allowing you to pass through a valley for the greater purpose. When you come out of it, when you emerge in it, you're a stronger man. You're a stronger woman. You're, you have a deeper relationship with the Lord. You can minister and identify to other people. You know what they've gone through. You know the pain people feel when they're dying. And the doctor literally says, I can't do anything. You've got cancer. Or their children are out of church. And they aren't going to come. They want to come on Easter. There's hurt to mom and dad who are believers when their children are like this. The Lord is shielding us. He's also our son, but he protects us. And in the valley, he certainly does that. And this morning, we're about to have our invitation. I want you to think about this. Are you in, val are you in a valley today? Are you in Baca? And if so, the Lord is speaking to you. And he's saying, if you were in valley, you need to remember you're passing through. Number two, you need to dig a well. And you're going to allow your valley experience to be a blessing to other people. You know that scripture I read there in Mark chapter 8. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his soul? For some of you, you need to get saved. Lord is speaking to you saying, there is no profit outside the Lord. You can gain the whole world. You'd be the wealthiest man alive. And you go to hell. Jesus is saying, when you have the Lord, when you have Jesus Christ in your life, no matter whether you're on a mountain or you're in a valley, you find your hope in the Lord. The days of trouble, they will come. It's a guaranteed promise to every single one of us. They're broken hearts, broken people all around. But if you do not have Jesus, not only will you be broken here in this world without the Lord, you'll be broken in eternity in hell without Him. You might be in Baca, but you have the Lord, and you take your comfort that your soul rests in the Savior of Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you. God, I pray for the folks this morning. Lord, I pray for the people here who are in the Valley of Baca. Lord, it's a season of their life of discouragement and heartbreak and setback. And Lord, it's easy to say, Lord, I quit. I give up. I'm going to make a major decision. But Lord, we know we need to realize that we are on a pilgrimage and our eyes are set to Zion. We're passing through, meaning there's going to be an end. God, I pray if there's anyone here that their soul has not gotten saved, that Lord, they have not found the prophet in being a believer in Jesus Christ. Lord, there's emptiness all around us except in you. Lord, I pray we take hope and comfort and peace Lord, in finding our identity in you. Jesus, I pray this morning, if there's anyone here that needs to give their life to you, I pray we will be a church that has wells overflowing with tears.
for people crying out for the lost, crying out for Lexington to get saved, praying for a great movement of you, Lord, here in our city. Lord, move here at Broadway. Move in our lives. If we're in Baca, Lord, help us dig a hole and let us be a blessing to other people. Lord, I pray this morning, if there's anybody here, if their soul needs to find rest in you, I pray they will walk forward and make it public. We give you this invitation, this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. David Dale's going to lead us in our song. We're going to sing Billy Graham's song, Just As I Am, here at 435. Let's stand together and sing our songbook. As always, I'll be standing out front waiting for you to respond. 435 in your songbook. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lord of God, I come. I come just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark one to thee whose blood cleanse each spot, O Lamb. Of God I come, I come, just as I am, but will receive, will welcome pardon, cleanse, relief, because I promise. I believe, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Thank you so much, David Dell. I want to remind everybody, if you are a guest, you want to go downstairs, we have lunch for you. Uh, it's our Get Acquainted Luncheon. All of our guests are certainly, even if it's your first time ever in this building, we've prepared this for you. You show up, and I promise 1 o'clock it will be over. So it's going to uh, be a great time to connect with other folks and certainly get acquainted. We have church tonight at 6 o'clock, so we're going through the Gospel of Luke. We're talking about the Sermon on the Plain. So we have youth group and team kid, our children's ministry. So it's, we're uh, certainly back on our regular scheduled Sundays and Wednesdays, so it's exciting times here at Broadway. I'm glad David will close our song. Good, let's sing together the chorus. Sing, oh, sing. Sing, oh, sing of my Redeemer. With his blood he purchased me. On the cross he sealed my pardon. Paid the debt and made me free. Amen. See you tonight. <laughs>